0: You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.mbcocala.com. We're going to continue on our teaching this morning, Traps and Tricks. Uh, let me mention that uh, this is part six. Typically, I go about six weeks in a series. I am going to extend this one week. And uh, so two weeks from today, I'll be starting a new series that I'm calling Armor. Armor, and uh, you don't want to miss it. That'll be a very exciting and needful series, and uh, we'll talk more about that later. Um, we understand that we have an enemy. Yes. We understand that he cannot overwhelm us, but yet he is very much against you. He's very active and busy and bent that way, but thank God he cannot just overcome you. Uh, it does require on our parts uh, that that we be made aware And that's what we're trying to do through this series is to make you aware so that we can make adjustments in our life so that we can avoid the traps and tricks of the enemy. Could I get one amen out of the church this morning? And we need to realize also that in that process of becoming aware, uh, there's no way that we can list for you all the traps, all the tricks. But you're going to start to become aware through this process of many different ways that he works. And sometimes... Uh, because he's not creative, uh, he's pretty much predictable. And in specifically in your life, you know your buttons. How many of you know you got some buttons? How many of you know some people have more buttons than NASA? Okay, <laughs> but you have you have your buttons, and and there are certain things that you have to kind of guard and be aware of that, and make adjustments so that uh, the enemy cannot come in and do his his will. Um, he's trying to not just ruin your day. He's, he's trying to take you down, take you out, mess you up, destroy you and anything connected to you. Uh, but thank God, God is greater, but we must be aware. We must walk in the wisdom that God would give us here. Now I want to reveal to you real quick, one trapper trick before we get into the, the main message this morning. And let me just start by saying this, the early bird gets the worm But it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. True? But there is something that I call the first mouse trick. And that is that the first mouse comes, takes the bait, and the trap does not spring. And that's part of the trap. That's part of the trick. And it's the trapper trick of getting away with it. It's rare that... The enemy's traps and tricks, boom, take you right away. It's usually a process to draw you in, to take you a little bit further and further. It looks all glitzy and glammy and fun and all of this. And and then it's, well, I got away with that. I didn't get hurt with that. That didn't that didn't mess anything up. And it takes you further and further. You get careless. You gain a wrong kind of confidence. And what it does, it sets you up for further uh, risk and further destruction in your life. So be beware of that trap and trick of getting away with it. And that's something that in the holy time before God, you need to present some things back to the Lord and say, Lord, I've continued in this life because I thought there was no consequence. And the thing is, you may be very, very close to consequence. And that's part of a horrible uh, trap and trick that the enemy would try to play on you. So make note of that. Let me move on to where we're headed today in Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7. If you're with me, do something, nod, groan, something, moo, whatever. Okay. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare, there's the trap, are the snare of his soul. Notice what all happens here. First of all, a fool's lips enter into contention, strife. It calls for blows. The Amplified Bible says it invites a beating. How many of you ever watched that happen before? You know, somebody, you keep talking, you're going to get it. Okay? It it invites a beating. It goes on to say that it is his destruction, his undoing, his ruin. And his lips are the snare, the trap, for his own soul. In other words, he trapped himself. He put himself into... uh, A trap that would be destructive. But I want you to notice this word soul. Everybody say soul. It's the center. It's the seat of who you are. It's your life. It really has to do with your will. Your intellect. Your emotions. Your subconscious. Which includes even your memory. And a a lot of things that are kind of built up in there. Your will, intellect, emotions, subconscious. Which means this. This affects how you think, feel and decide. How you think Feel and decide and you cannot afford I cannot afford to have that part of you damaged that part of you caught in a snare and taken away And so what's happening here is a fool's lips uh, His lips are the snare for his own soul The uh, contemporary English version says he's setting a trap to destroy yourself One commentary says brings his life into danger the new living translation says they trap themselves with their lips Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 12 in the new living says wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their what? By their own words and that's where we're going today. So let me go ahead and put this up here Words say it again words and let me put it to you this way mouth Because that's where they come from Actually, that's where they come out of this is your sound system They actually come from the heart. The abundance of the heart, the the mouth speaks, okay? So, everybody say words again. So, notice this first of all. The trap and the trick that would destroy yourself and literally be self-destructive, voluntarily cooperating with the enemy, is the use of your words. Now, always know this about every trap and every trick. It involves, to some degree... Participation yes. on your part. Yes. That you went to the place, that you signed up for the deal, that you said, that you did, that you were with them, that you were there, that you took the bait, whatever it would be. It involves to some degree, some proximity, some participation on your, on your part. So what I'm trying to say to you is that the traps and tricks can be avoided. Yes. Okay, they can be avoided. Now let's keep going with this. In these verses, if you were paying close attention, it talked about the lips and the mouth, the words of a fool, of a fool. And you would say, well, good, doesn't apply to me because I'm not a fool. How many of you know that most church going people exempt themselves from half of the scripture that is read? Okay. Um, It is possible to not be all wise and still say something wise or do something wise. It is possible to not be a good golfer and have a full set of clubs. I'm proof. (laughs) Okay. And in the same way, it is possible to not totally be a fool and still have a fool's mouth. Come on. The Bible tells us about a fool that he says in his heart, there is no God. Also says in the Psalms that he does not seek God and God is in none of his thoughts. So when you don't seek God and God is in none of your thoughts, did you know this? It's possible for a born again, spirit filled, heaven bound, church going, note taking, song singing believer to live his life, not seeking God and God in none of his thoughts. He's got a situation in his life, does not seek God and God is in none of his thoughts. It's called practical atheism. They believe in God, but for all practical purposes, it's as if God is not to be sought and God is not thought of. And it's a dangerous thing to fall into. Well, I go to church and I have a Bible. Whoop, T, do. Which is a Greek phrase that means it doesn't matter. Unless you're actually applying this in your life. And so, the fool says there is no God, does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. So the result of this is these words, the mouth, the lips, the words of a fool is actually godless talk godless talk now godless talk is not just evil speaking or cursing but godless talk has to do with words that are filled with worry and fear and doubt and negativity and just rambling along and blathering on bragging, lying, gossiping narrating life, verbal twitter, I'm doing this now this just happened to me, so on and so forth words of death, words that are faithless, as if When you go on speaking words as if there were no God, or God is somehow distant, or God does not care, or God is weak, or God is unable. That's what I'm talking about. And you say, why are you telling us about this? Because I know how people are. And I know why a lot of Christians are living in defeat because they they have this concept. And it comes up out of the abundance of their heart. They're not seeking God. God is in none of their thoughts. They love God. They love God, planning on going to heaven. But on a day-to-day basis, we are speaking words completely contrary to what we believe. And it's called godless talk, and it's a snare for your soul. And I'm not talking, you say, well, I never curse. Good, you shouldn't. Let no foul or (laughs) unclean words come out of your mouth ever. That should not be the case. You should not have your two or three words. Well, I just save these for when I'm really mad. (laughs) Don't do that. Just don't. Why would you put that in your mouth? Sorry. (laughs) But the godless talk I'm talking about is fear and doubt and negativity and pride and boasting and all of these things. Somehow saying that. God is distant and he's weak and he doesn't care. He's not concerned. He's not able, which are all contrary to reality. So here's the thing regarding our words. I want you to say words again, because I don't want you to leave here and say, what was that about? The enemy's first trick. His opening act. Could I remind you? Was to minimize the importance of words. His first trick, his opening act, was to minimize the importance of words. Genesis chapter 3, he shows up, slithers up to the woman, and here's the first thing that we hear the enemy ever say Did God really say that? Second thing he said, well, He didn't really mean that. That's not really going to happen. You won't really die. Minimizing the importance and the power of words. Guess what? He's He's tired, not creative, and very predictable, and he uses the same, same, same thing for us. And not just minimizing the importance of God's words, minimizing the importance of your words. So what I want to do today is let's look for a few moments at how powerful our words actually are. You must know that words are powerful. Now, I've had you say words several times. Join with me on this and say words are powerful say my words are powerful and you've got to know that that words really are powerful and they have consequence and that's the other thing about words the ability to choose our words is unique to mankind you know and i know that there's the little dogs that bark jingle bells and flipper can say things and lassie can say things and parrots say things but really the choice of speech the power of speech has been given to mankind which reminds me of my favorite parrot joke last week it was cows this week parrots uh this lady walks by the pet shop she loves stopping by the pet shop see the new little puppies and kitties and different things and the shop owner has this parrot out on this little stand and as the lady walks by the parrot says to her you're the ugliest woman i've ever seen And she just thought, well, that's kind of cute, but offensive. So the next day on her way back through, she stops by to see because she heard they're having a new litter of puppies. And so she stops to see him and there's the parrot on that stand. And he looks around at her and he goes, lady, you're the ugliest woman I've ever seen. She goes, I think he's targeting me. So day after day, she's just trying to test him and she watched other people go in the shop. He didn't say a word to them. She goes in the shop and he goes, lady, you're the ugliest woman I've ever seen. So finally she tells her husband about it. He says, we're not putting up with this. So they go down to the store and they go into the shopkeeper and said, this parrot out here. Every time my wife comes by, he says she's the ugliest woman that he's ever seen. I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to have my wife uh, offended and berated by this bird. And we're either going to kill the bird or we're going to sue you or something. The shop owner said, I'll take care of it. Take care of it. So he takes the bird in the back room and he said, listen, you can't do this. You can't do this. If you do this again, I'm only giving you one chance. If you do this, I'll put you in a pot and I'll boil you. I'll do something, but you cannot do this ever again. Puts the parrot back out there, assumes that all will be well. The lady comes by the next day. She walks past the parrot slowly and the parrot goes, you know what I'm thinking. (laughs) My point (laughs) Reality is We're the only ones that have the choice Of our words Proverbs 18 Y'all still here? Use that this week if you want Proverbs 18 verse 21 Death and life Are in the power of the tongue And those who love it will eat its fruit The message Bible says words kill Words give life They're either poison or fruit You choose. Do you hear that? Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Adding on verse 20 and looking in today's English version, it says, You will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. In Proverbs 6, 2. It says that you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Notice that. First of all, snared. Second of all, taken. You know, we watch some shows like Deadliest Catch and some some things like that. And they put out their traps to catch lobster. That's to snare them. They come back later to take them. And what the enemy wants to do is not just snare you, but take you. It's not just about catching you. It's about destroying you. It's about using you for his purposes, to devour you as first Peter says. And so it's your words, everybody say my words. We can be snared and taken by our words. So here's what we have to do. And here's our big word this morning regarding this. We must guard, we must guard. What's another word for guard? Watch, we have to watch our words. We have to watch our mouth. Didn't your mom ever tell you that? That you've got to watch your mouth, guard your mouth. In Proverbs 13, verse 3, it says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his mouth shall have destruction. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his, what? (laughs) His soul. From troubles, do you re- remember earlier that the words of the foolish actually set a snare for the soul, but if we'll watch our words, if we'll watch our mouth, then we will actually preserve our soul from troubles. I don't know about you, but I want to preserve my life. I want to preserve the quality of my life, and I want to keep my soul from troubles. Who wants trouble in their soul? Who wants trouble in their life? We're we're geared. The promises of God are even geared. To move you out of trouble. To bring you to a place of deliverance. To set you back free. So why would we want to trouble ourselves? Bring trouble to our life and to our soul. And here's the real issue. We have to deal with that monster. That lives in the cave. Under your nose. And you know what I'm talking about. It's our words our words. Now, to do this and real quickly, I'm going to give you three things on this this morning. First of all, we must limit our words. Limit. Everybody say limit. Amen. And this has to do with the number of our words. I mean, you know, some people just talk too much. <laughs> Proverbs 10:19 says this, "The more you talk, the more likely you are to sin." If you are wise, you will keep quiet. James 1.19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Proverbs 17.28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. It's right there in the Bible. Limit your words. The other day, Alicia and I were visiting with her mother. And then we stepped out for a little bit to go have lunch. And the place where we're eating had booths. And in the booth behind us, this lady would not stop talking. Each word more meaningless than the previous. It just kept going and kept going. And her range of expression and emotion was only like that. So it was like... (laughs) It's like the teacher on Charlie Brown. And that is why I stabbed my hand with my fork. But the worst part of this is if you just keep talking, then sin is going to happen. And if if what you think is a great thing is just to hang around and talk forever, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And the Bible says... The the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. And so we've got to be careful that we limit our words. Maturity is knowing the difference between having something to say and just having to say something. In World War II, there was a campaign so that proper information was not given to the enemy. And it was this, loose lips sink ships. And it's an important thing for us, if we're going to guard our mouth and guard our words, we're going to have to limit also, actually, the number of our words. You know, it's been said that women have like 80,000 words a day. Men only have about 20,000 a day. That's why when we get home from work, we've used almost all of our 20, and she's still got 50, 60,000 words left, you know. This is the thing, ever how many you do have, let's make sure that we limit them and that we use them right. These others will help us with this. Second thing is you need to measure. Measure your words. Everybody say measure. You need to measure your words. Are they appropriate? Is this the right time for them? Proverbs uh, 15 talks about a word in due season. I love the way the message Bible puts it. It's the right word at the right time. The right word at the right time. How many of you have ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time? Okay. And it's to measure our words. In Colossians, it talks about that our our speech would be seasoned with grace. That we'd have the right response for everybody. In Ephesians 4, 29, in the message, it says, Watch the way you talk. Let no foul or dirty, uh, nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift so we're wanting to make sure that we not only limit our words notice we're being careful with our words but we're also wanting to measure them the third thing is this qualify everybody say qualify and if you can't read that you just read it anyway qualify so what we want to do is we want to limit we want to measure we want to qualify when you qualify your words it means this You qualify them that they must pass a certain criteria before you're going to speak them. You know, how many of you qualify food before you eat it? Just think about a glass of milk. How many of you qualify? If you're like me, I look and I make sure it's the one I want first. Because we have an assortment at our house. White water. I mean, fat free. And then 2%, you know, and you, you, you got all that. So I check make sure I qualify it. Yes. Second thing I look at, the date. The date. And this brings me another thing. One time I was in the grocery store and a guy caught me in the grocery store and he did not limit his words. And before I left the grocery store, my milk was actually out of date. I had to, I had to go back. <laughs> Almost true. But you look at the date and if you're like me, seriously, I'll smell it. And then I'll pour it. And if it doesn't taste right or if it has chunks in it, (laughs) that did not happen. But, you know, what are you doing? You're qualifying it. Well, guess the same thing is true. It's not what goes in a man that defiles a man. It's what comes out of a man that defiles a man, Jesus said. And so the words that you speak, you better qualify them. They've got to be of a certain grade, a certain quality, a certain standard, a certain brand of words. Or it must not pass out of your mouth. And it must be words of life and faith and edification. Either build up or hush up. Amen. Now, I mean, let me apply this real quick. As far as qualifying your words, a certain brand of words. You can snare your life. You can ruin your life with your words. Amen. You know it and we're also seeing it in scripture. And I've only given you a fraction of what the scripture has to say about the power of your words. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm kind of fed up. I, I don't like it at all when people call this slow kawa. I don't like when people talk down about this area and nothing good to have. Nobody can get a job here. Nobody can get paid here and blah, 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 blah. And I'm always tired. And I'm always sad. Nothing ever works out for me. And we have no business. Nobody likes me. And, and blah, 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 blah. Nothing ever works out. I can't sell anything. Nobody wants this. And we just speak all these words. And I'll tell you what, check the date on this. Check the label on this. Smell this. It's got chunks in it. Don't be speaking that garbage. Don't let it in your mouth. Don't let it out of your mouth. Are you hearing me? And... In a in a public setting like this, I can say a lot to a whole bunch of people, but sometimes on a personal setting, I don't have the platform with that person to just dive in. But I talked to an individual, if you're here today, hey, you're here today. <laughs> they said, I can't get a job no matter what. And I just thought. God is in none of his thoughts not seeking God God is somehow distant God can't pull one off this same God who caused water to come out of rocks and bread to come down from heaven and can open a sea and allow an army to go through it same God same God we're serving that's old test that's old news and use the same water then as the army the enemy army chasing just and drown them said you'll never see that enemy ever again Take a look at those washed up on the seashore, but you're not going to deal with that enemy ever again. And we've got to be careful the words that we put in our mouth. If you're always saying, I'm always tired. None of my relationships work out. It's because you're such a thrill to be around. (laughs) Everything I eat makes me sick and nothing ever goes my way and nobody likes me. uh, Are y'all with me? And you don't realize that your words have power. Oh, they don't have that much power. Listen, you're falling for the first trick the enemy ever tried to minimize the importance of your words. And I believe that we need to pay attention that our words have consequences and they're powerful. I mentioned to you that my mother-in-law is, uh, went into the hospital, had a stroke, and she's, she's in a rehab facility now. And she might be watching by internet. Um, Every time I go and see her, I kiss her on her head and I lay hands on her head. And we've made it a practice that we are going to speak good words and we're going to speak words of life that we have around her a no neg zone. I don't want people coming in and talking about all their junk and this and this and this. And the other day she had a visitor. And for visitors here or watching online, I'm telling you the truth. And I feel brave today, so look out. (laughs) And I have a parrot. (laughs) And a cow. But, uh, my wife and her sister and so forth, they were saying, this lady is just so negative and she's just in there and this and this, and this happened to my sister and this happened to my mother and blah, blah, blah. And rah, 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 rah. and I said, either y'all go in there and get rid of her. I'm going to go in there and get rid of her. And so my wife said, well, and give her a minute. And then my sister-in-law said, well, I got to go downstairs. And I said, all right. So I went with two guns. I got the kind one and I got another one. Okay. (laughs) And I went in and I tried the kind one first. I just went in and I interrupted the conversation. I didn't wait for her to get finished with all her. And I grabbed my mother-in-law's feet and her ankles. And I said, mama, you need to rest now. I said, you know, when she has company, she likes to pay attention and listen. And that kind of wears her out. And I said, so I, I think she needs to rest now. She goes, you know what, I, I guess I should be leaving now. And I said, yes, ma'am, you should. <laughs> no, and I was very kind. And then, you know, and then a few minutes later she left. But you know what? You say, does that really matter? i tell you what, if it was me laying there, I don't want somebody coming in and saying, you know, I knew somebody one time. This happened to them. And, well, God rest their soul. And, you know. <laughs> And beyond the personal preference of that and the comfort of that, there is power and there are consequences in your words. And they're either fruit or they're poison. They're either life or they're death. And we need to guard our own words lest we set a trap for our own soul and trouble our own lives. We've got to guard it, limit, measure, and qualify our words. If you got that so far, say amen. Amen. Now let me just kind of finish up here. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, and I know with every truth, people can take it to an extreme, but Jesus said, read it in your Bible, Mark eleven, twenty three, later, the last part of that verse, you can have what you say, but you know what most people do? They just say what they have, or they say what they hear other people say. And so in alignment with the word of God and the revealed will of God through his word, I believe that we need to line up our words with what the Bible says we have. Now listen carefully in these next few moments. I'm going to give you some big principles in these next few moments and then we're going to finish. In Proverbs 15:28 it says this, "The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, studies how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil." Proverbs 16:23, "The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips." Here's the principle. You've got to allow time. Everybody say time. You've got to allow for time for your heart to study how to answer and teach your mouth what to say. Allow the time. Now, it's not months. This is a supernatural thing. It's your heart. It's the spirit of a man that's connected with God Almighty. Allow your spirit man who seeks God and God is in all of your thoughts. To allow that heart, the heart of the righteous, to study how to answer. To study how... It it can just happen like that. It will sort through so fast and come up with what the answer is. Sometimes the answer is to just, how about that? And we're not denying anything. We're just choosing to speak words of life. But you need to allow the time for your heart to sort through, for your heart to study how to answer and teach your mouth what to say instead of just let her rip. And you know what? Some people say, well, that's just the way I am. I just let her rip. You know what? And you're going to set a snare for your soul and you're going to be spreading all kinds of junk all around you. You've got to allow the time for that. Now, sometimes, though. How many of you know that sometimes words kind of get past all the safeguards and the filters and you're about to say it? Come on. Yeah. Scripture has an emergency uh, release here for you. In Proverbs 30:32. 30, if you've been foolish in exalting yourself or if you've devised evil, read it with me. Put your hand on your mouth. You've seen it. I've seen it. I can remember in elementary school, you know, some kid gets sick in class. And he's trying to get out of the classroom. What does he do? I'm sorry, it's lunchtime, I know, but hang with me here. Sometimes you have some words that are about to come out of your mouth that you just need to hurt yourself if you have to, okay? Right. Carry a stapler, do, do something, but, but don't let these things out. Let, let me finish up. Never use your own mouth to speak against your own hope. Never. Why would you speak against the well-being of your family, your health? Why would you speak against what you desire and are praying for and hoping for, for the economy and for our area? And and for people and for relationships. Why would you speak against that? I can tell you who's behind that. I can tell you who's for that. And that's the enemy. And he's trying to get you to fully voluntarily cooperate. And to speak against your own hope. And to drive your hope down. And break your hope and take your hope away. Never use your own mouth to speak against your own hope. In conclusion. Your heart and your mouth are connected your heart and your mouth are connected. Romans 10, verse 8 through 10 says this. But what does it say? The word is near you in your... Come on, help me. In your... And in your in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the biggest miracle going. For with the heart... Let's try it again. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Here's the deal. Faith is in two places. It has two parts. Faith is in your heart, and faith is in your mouth. Faith is in your heart and faith is in your mouth. And when you you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth, Second Corinthians 4.13, as well as a number of psalms, both David and the apostle Paul said this. I believe, therefore I speak. I believe, therefore I speak. Can I rephrase that for you? I speak what I believe. I'm not going to because of the pressure of a situation or the people that you're around or everybody else is saying this. I will not speak what I do not believe. And this is important because faith is in my heart and faith is in my mouth. And I've got to get the two parts of faith together. That's how I got saved. That's how I got born again. That's how God has worked so many things in my life is I believe and I speak. I believe and I speak. I believe and I speak. Now I know some people take this crazy. I'm not talking about crazy. I'm talking about staying on the road of what the word of God says. I I believe, therefore I speak. I speak what I believe. So fill your heart with the good things of the word of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get it strong on the inside. Yeah, I believe that. And then add to it those words of faith. And as they come together, they keep registering. They keep, they keep firing, so to speak. And when you get faith in your heart and faith in your mouth coming together, you've got something powerful that's about to happen. Now listen to me real quick. When I was a little kid, we went to a denominational church. My parents didn't go much at all. And, uh, my mom would take my brother and I out in the backyard and point to the steeple. It was about two, three blocks away. And we'd walk sometimes ride our bikes and go to the church every now and then mom would come. And, um, I remember in Sunday school class, we had the big flannel graph. I mentioned that last week. We're going to have to get one, folks. I'm going to start using it. And I remember them showing us the lessons, taking us through the Bible. And Adam and Eve. I remember being embarrassed a little bit because it, they were hiding behind stuff. And Noah and Moses and all kinds of things. And then they showed Jesus and that he was born of a virgin. And then he grew and he lived a sinless life and he taught and he did good things and he did miracles and he went about doing good and the Holy Spirit helped him. And I saw this on a flannel graph and then he went to a cross. I saw him be betrayed in the garden. I saw I saw Peter deny him on a flannel graph and I saw him go to the cross. I saw him on a cross on the flannel graph and they took him down and he was buried and on the third day, he rose again. And I remember on that Easter, because I was behaving, the teacher let me roll the stone away. And the tomb was empty. And then I saw Jesus ascend into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And then one day he's going to come again. Now, let me tell you something. I saw all that. And in that little boy heart, I believed it. I believed it. But it wasn't until years later. That I could get the other part of my faith to come together. And a pastor led me in a prayer. That I not only believed. But I said what I believed. I believed that God raised him from the dead. And I confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And at that point I got born again. Because the faith in my heart. And the faith in my mouth came together. And created the greatest miracle that there's ever been. And ever will be. And if faith in my heart and faith in my mouth can get me saved and rescue me from hell, it will help me in my life as well. Amen. So rather than carelessly banter about and speak whatever and indiscriminately not limit my words, measure my words, qualify my words, I will set a snare for my own life and voluntarily cooperate with the enemy of my soul. But instead, I'm charging you today as believers, make sure that you seek God and that God is in your thoughts and his good news is in your heart and you believe it and you speak it and you believe it and you speak it and you never, ever, ever use your own mouth to speak against your own hope. Don't you speak against your company, your boss, your family, this, this community, this region don't speak against. There's so many things to speak against and there are a lot of voices speaking against all kinds of things. From the top of our country to the bottom of our country. To all around our borders and everything in between. And it's all this negative, 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 negative. But I'm telling you what, we serve the Lord God of Elijah. And there's nothing that he cannot do. And he is not distant. He is near. He is here. He is with us. He cares. He's able. And he's looking for somebody to just believe him. Not just hidden on the inside. But connecting it together in my heart and in my mouth. I speak what I believe. Don't forget the first trick of the enemy, his opening act, was to minimize the importance of words. We're not falling for that anymore. Our words are powerful and they're life-giving.